ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Sergio Guillermo Diaz paints in miniature. Many Star Wars characters, many Harry Potter actors, many football players. He has to paint small because he uses a small canvas. Money. Sergio paints on Argentine peso banknotes. When I started painting banknotes, people said to me, but it's money, how are you going to paint money? The reason is because the money is essentially worthless. Five years ago, a family could expect to spend about four or 5,000 pesos on food each month. Now it's about 35,000. Sergio started by painting on 20 peso notes, but now he paints on 1,000 peso notes. I paint on it and I can sell it for a lot more than what I could spend with that banknote. Whack Lionel Messi holding the World Cup on your banknote. Why not? The note's worth the equivalent of five Australian dollars and a small, beautiful portrait of Lionel Messi is worth way more than the 1,000 peso note it's painted on. While the rest of us have been learning what it's like to live with up to 10% inflation, Argentines are dealing with 100% inflation. Inflation that size does weird things to the economy. Right now in Buenos Aires, restaurants, cafes and theatres are packed. But 40% of Argentines are living in poverty. The government is printing money so fast they've had to outsource it. Hundreds of tonnes of pesos are being shipped to Argentina every month from Europe, Brazil and China. And yet, the primary cash-changing hands isn't Argentine at all. It's American dollars. Now, it might be tempting to hear all this and think, yeah, but they're different over there. But here's the thing. They're kind of not. On this episode, the story of how one of the wealthiest countries in the world, one that is uncomfortably similar to Australia, totally lost control of its own economy. I'm Matt Bevan, and this is If You're Listening, a show about what happens when your money keeps disappearing. I want you to imagine a vast country beneath the Southern Cross boundless plains to share, golden soil, wealth for toil, not quite girt by sea, about half girt. A country which hasn't really reconciled with its colonial past, speaks a relaxed form of its European mother tongue, loves sport and barbecuing, forces their citizens to vote in elections and thinks of themselves as laid-back larrikins. The name of the country has nine letters and it starts and ends with A. It's not Australia, it's Argentina. And in 1951, the country's economies were almost twins. Similar GDP, similar sources of income, similar inflation problem with similar causes. In 1951, it was the Korean War, which boosted the demand for Australian primary products, especially wool. The US was sending a million men to fight in freezing cold Korea and needed a million wool uniforms. Australia was the world's biggest wool exporter, but the Americans wanted so much of it, it more than doubled the price. US dollars flooded into Australia, making everyone very rich and happy. But this made the cost of living go up by 25% in a year. 
You see, inflation is at its most basic, caused by an imbalance between how much people want a thing and how many of those things are being made. So Australians were suddenly flush with cash, so they went out to buy lots of new things, but there weren't enough of the new things they wanted, which means that sellers could charge more for their goods, meaning that prices went up. The treasurer, a Barnaby Joyce-esque figure named Artie Fadden, wasn't going to cop this. He raised income taxes by a third, making himself very unpopular and making Australians very angry. The treasurer has failed absolutely to give Australians a sufficient motive for bearing these grievous new tax burdens. The treasurer called it responsible. The papers called him a gangster. But it did the job. Inflation ground to a halt. Argentina also had an inflation problem, and theirs was also caused by high prices for agricultural goods. But Argentina didn't tax people like Australia did. And this is the reason the two economies are so different today. Argentina didn't act because they were far too distracted by a political circus that was unfolding right before their eyes. In Buenos Aires, hundreds of thousands converge on Argentina's Independence Day Square. Around two million people gathered in Argentina's capital for the biggest rally in Latin American history. To make Juan Perón change his mind about running for re-election and his dynamic wife to consent to run on the same ticket. At the front, the president, Juan Perón, listened to the people chant his slogans and cheer his name. Beside him was his 32-year-old wife, known to her fans as Evita. The people in the square loved her even more than they loved him. She was young and beautiful, a style icon and a philanthropist, an Argentine Princess Diana. You might have heard of her. There's a Broadway musical. And I wish I could play you the music, but, you know, copyright and also I don't really like Andrew Lloyd Webber. The Perones had been in power for only six years and they had transformed Argentina. But standing there on the platform, in front of their fans, the Perones had a number of secrets. For one thing, Evita was dying. She had terminal cervical cancer and knew that she only had months to live. Already, she struggled to stand on her own. The other secret was more of an open one. The economy of what was very recently a rich country was in ruins. Perón had taken Argentina's immense wealth and spent it on making himself and his wife the most popular people in the country. In just two years, he almost doubled the wages of industrial workers and gave them free healthcare and social security. But the workers' output didn't double. They got paid way more for doing pretty much the same amount of work. Workers were also given free flowers and candy. Then Perón made sure all the people of Argentina had lots and lots of cheap beef. Instead of letting them make big bucks exporting it, he forced Argentina's farmers to sell their beef to the government so that it could be sold to the public for cheap. The government protects the shopping basket through price controls on food. The price of the barbecue steak is only 50 cents Australian. Argentines were eating twice as much beef as anyone else in the world. Rapidly, the significant wartime savings and the farmers' wealth could no longer pay for Perón's spending. 
So... Printing money has been one of the newest growth industries for Argentina. This is a perfect recipe for inflation. On this day, they're producing 1,000, 10,000 and 20,000 peso notes, and there's plenty of room for more. Prices go up, so you've got to increase wages more. And then everyone clocks that prices are going up, and so they decide to spend their money quickly before it loses value. And for the customer, it's first come lower prices. And early starts can mean getting to the shelves before those labels change. And that just speeds up the cycle. At this rate, it won't be long to the first million peso note. As Juan and Evita Perón stood in front of the crowd of adoring supporters, inflation wasn't on their mind. You can just print money and people will love you and you can just silence, imprison or beat up anyone who doesn't love you. These big city industrial workers and their families with tummies full of steak and pockets full of pesos got their wish. Evita said that she would run for vice president along with her husband. But the good times didn't last long. Four years later, Evita was dead. She never became the vice president. 60-year-old Perone's new 14-year-old girlfriend was living with him in the presidential palace. Farmers, sick of being paid low prices for their produce, stopped producing. Perone had to start rationing beef while still raising wages. Perone was still popular, but he'd lost enough support to make him vulnerable to a military coup. And so the military did a coup. But now it's stated that the man who'd ruled the country since 1946 had been forced to quit. But it was too late. Peronism had taken root. People expected a rate of pay and a standard of living that was out of step with how productive the country was. The vicious cycle of inflation was swirling like a tornado and nobody was game to do what Artie Fadden did in Australia and slam on the brakes. Prices and wages are going through the roof so rapidly that Argentina is fast becoming a land of millionaires. In the 1970s, a Nobel Prize-winning economist said there are four types of economy, developed, developing, Japan and Argentina. Japan's economy was like a guy being fired out of a cannon and drifting back to earth on a parachute, up fast, then gently down. But Argentina's economy is like a roller coaster. Argentines are sometimes the richest people in South America and sometimes half the population slides under the poverty line. The one constant is inflation. As inflation became truly insane in the 1980s, a teenage boy in Buenos Aires named Javier Millet was taking notice. He was a slightly unusual kid. He was a promising young goalkeeper for a semi-professional football club. But after watching inflation turn Argentina upside down, he dreamed of becoming an economist. He says his father beat him and stopped feeding him to try and convince him not to become an economist, but he did it anyway. Two decades later, he burst onto the public scene as a fully-fledged, hard-right economics and political commentator on Argentine TV. He became famous for his wild hairstyle and mutton chops that you rarely see outside of a Civil War reenactment, and his rants about the economic incompetence of both major parties. 
Javier Millet dislikes the pro-Labour Peronist party, but he also hates the centre-right coalition, which alternates being in power with the Peronists. Either way, neither party really has control over the economy. And this is another reason that Argentina's economy cannot seem to recover. In 2020, the COVID pandemic hit. In downtown Buenos Aires, signs above shops and on shuttered businesses tell the story of a city hard hit by the pandemic. And Argentina's poor economic performance turned into a catastrophe. They are reminders of the painful economic impact of COVID-19. Massive stimulus packages to help poor Argentines through the hard times restarted the inflation spiral. Javier Millet was incensed. He wasn't prepared to just sit there and let either party continue to destroy the economy. So he decided to get involved and become a politician. He was elected to parliament in 2021. But now he's set his sights higher. He wants to be the president. No me meto acá para guiar corderos. Me meto acá para despertar leones. Apart from banning abortion, denying climate change and legalising selling human organs for some reason, Millet's number one priority is tackling inflation. See, Argentina has been transformed by 100% inflation. Middle class workers in the cities see absolutely no reason to save their money. It'll halve in value next year. So they spend it, eating at restaurants, going to the theatre and buying new stuff. Why not? My bank account says it's YOLO time. For the poor, of which there is an increasingly large amount, times are very tough. Many Argentines scratch at a living spending 14 hours a day picking through garbage dumps for scraps that can be sold. Discarded food is used in soup kitchens to help feed people. Recent estimates say that more than half of Argentina's children live in poverty. So what's Millet's solution? Shut down the Argentine Central Bank. He told A24 there are bad central banks like the US Federal Reserve, there are very bad central banks, there are horrible ones, and then there's the Central Bank of the Argentine Republic, which is filthy. He says Argentina must abandon the peso and replace it with the US dollar, meaning Washington would set monetary policy. Most economists think this idea is insane, and his dollarization plan doesn't have majority support. Polls also show he's unlikely to win this October's presidential election. But the US dollar has already become widely used in Argentina because it doesn't fluctuate in value like the peso does. Most store their savings, if they have them, in US dollars. Big purchases are usually made using dollars. The peso has become so useless that Argentines are using it less and less. In one of Sergio Diaz's banknote artworks, he's painted the shark from the film Jaws onto a US $1 bill. Above it, a swimmer is painted onto a 200 peso note, furiously paddling away. It's a symbol for the country's economic disaster. The US dollar might not become Argentina's official currency, but that doesn't mean it couldn't still consume the peso.
If You're Listening is written by me, Matt Bevan. Series producer is Yasmin Parry. We also have a YouTube show. Trust us, it's great. To find us, search for ABC If You're Listening. We'll be back with another episode next Thursday. Thursday.